Hey everyone, Jack here from the TNC podcast. Thanks once again for tuning in. We're up to episode number 61 now. Um, We're ticking along quite nicely. We've got some really nice guests lined up in the next few weeks. So if you are enjoying the podcast, why not leave it a five-star review on iTunes? It's me and Connor this week. No, Chris, I think he was in the gym actually, building his biceps, uh, but not as quickly as City are building points and moving up the Skybet Championship. Nine points in a week, three wins in three and everything suddenly looks rosy again. Timu Puki scoring goals. Marco Stiepemann is quickly becoming a, the prime candidate for the Ballon d'Or. And Tim Krul is starting to save some shots. All is happy at Car Road. And all is happy on the TNC podcast. Once again, thank you for tuning in. And enjoy this week's episode. It's episode number 61. Have a good one. Hello and welcome to the TNC podcast episode Number 61. Uh, it's the first time we've ever spoken about three league wins in a row. I think the last time we've done it was something like September 2016. It's been a glorious week. We're now four points off the top of the table and the setting is even more glorious. Connor, good to see you, mate. Nice Thank see you, you mate. for welcoming me into your lovely house and also a, a nice mug as well. Yeah, lovely, lovely mug. Made by yeah. Dad, so thank yeah, you. exactly. Two football mugs. So Yeah, very much on point. Well, yeah, let, let's talk. Let's talk Norwich City. Um, it's been a very good week. It's been a lovely week, yeah, and um, probably changed the way everyone's viewed things at the moment. From a seemingly really negative position, it's it's um, transcended into something really positive, and suddenly mm. we're looking up as opposed to over our shoulder, which is really nice. So, hopefully, now we can see this run of form a bit more consistency, uh, consistently, and over a, a bit more of a prolonged period. Yeah. But um, yeah, certainly looking up. I mean, we spoke about. Um, the, the the Middlesbrough game last week on the podcast and we're all saying look it, it's a fantastic win but we've mm-hmm. seen these under Daniel Farker before we've seen these wins that almost just give him another couple of games yeah, yeah. just to paper over the cracks a little bit and then we're back to square one we then travelled to Reading in midweek we were given that horrific press conference before when it seemed like the whole team was yeah. injured we've got hernias on Hernandez nice little um, alliteration <laughs> there um, we've got hip problems with Stiepemann and, and, and all other issues Stiepemann makes the team we go up to Reading they were coming off the back of a good win against Preston, 3-2. I think it was their first win of the season. Yep. Yep. And once again, it was controlled, it was disciplined, mm-hmm. and it was it was engaging. Yeah, really, really good away performance that was, I felt. Um, I thought Reading contributed perhaps for the first half an hour where they had a reluctance to press us a bit and perhaps showed us a little bit too much respect. But um, after that, it required Norwich to dig in and show a resilience that perhaps we've not seen, mm. um, particularly equalising so quick after... Yeah. Uh, or scoring so quickly after they, they equalised so it was a different type of win to Middlesbrough um, but it showed perhaps Norwich had perhaps more faces than people credit with credit them for so mm. a really positive win and, and something you know to build on prior to QPR which obviously they have um, but yeah that performance it wasn't perfect and there were, there were still things that needed to be improved yeah. but uh, it was a really dogged away championship performance which we haven't seen so far this season, so that's another another box ticked. Really. You said that it wasn't perfect. What improvements did you think needed to be made after that, um, that Wednesday I th- night? I crash? thought the, um, the the sort of opening to the second half, where okay. where Norwich were sort of pinned back and went far too deep in terms of their defensive shape, far mm. too early, and basically allowed Reading to to come onto them and gain momentum. Um, so that was that was a sh- made made the game a lot more difficult than perhaps it, it needed to be. Um, 
and and I think there were there were some tired legs in there on Wednesday that that perhaps could have been substituted earlier. But mm. um, you know, you can't complain about the substitutions because I think they were all they all made an impact. But um, for me, the the major thing was how quickly the defensive line dropped and how deeply it was as well, and um, that contributed to to Reading scoring. I think in terms of that lineup on on Wednesday, we've talked about that. Hernandez, Hernia, he's probably going to be out for six to eight mm-hmm. weeks. He's been the key man this season. Although his, his, his performances did drop a little bit, and mm-hmm. I think Farker then said that he's been struggling with this issue yeah. for a few weeks, which yeah. probably get, tells us the story. He's dropped out of the squad. Todd Cantwell brought in um, a Deerham lad. Big pressure yeah. on, on his shoulders because, you know, it's a big game for Norwich. Performed excellently well, got, got an assist. Mm-hmm. What have you made of Todd over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I've been I've been impressed with him. Um, there's a nice romance to his story because he's from Norfolk, and mm. although Jamal Lewis and Max Aaron's are, are nice success stories, they're not Norfolk boys. Yeah. They're from Luton, so um, there is a uniqueness about Todd. I mean, I, I was trying to think this morning. I can't remember the last time Norwich had a player from Norfolk playing for them uh, off the top of my head. It's really like, like a Declan Rudd, isn't it, or someone like that? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose you're looking at Declan Rudd. So it's been a few years, haven't it? Um, but yeah, I've been impressed with Todd. He's fitted in fairly well. I mean, he's a, he's a different player to Hernandez and he offers something a bit yeah. different. But to Farker's credit, he's given him a freedom to play and I think the other players have responded well to him. They they, they know that perhaps they need to cover him a bit more. I think he's been playing the side that Teddy has been in midfield. So they've given him a bit more of a licence to play, which is nice and what he needs. You say they're a credit to Farker and, and I suppose it is because we, we were starting to become successful or certainly mildly successful with that you know, out and out wingers with with Hernandez. You mm-hmm. lose Hernandez, you now think, well, we haven't got another out and out winger. No. Yannick Vilskutz, no. you know, out at Bolton, who arguably is our only other out and out winger. Who do we use? And I was thinking, well, I don't know what we do. Is it a change mm. formation? Throw Campbell in there. It's a, it's a different role he's playing, but yep. we seem to have to just developed and and yeah, I think so. And I think those wide players have come in a bit more, and it's allowed Aaron's and Lewis to push on a lot more than than we have seen, which has made Norwich look better going forward. Yeah. I think so. He's got the balance of it right now, and he's he's managed to fit Campwell into the team, whereby they can still protect him and still nurture him, but also give him a license to mm. to play and make mistakes as well, which is going to happen with a young player because they're inconsistent. But that pass to Pookie on on Wednesday night, you know, illustrates how good he yeah. is. Um, so and and yeah, I've been impressed with him, and it's a nice story, and long may it continue for sure. We talk about there the the, the Finnish man who can certainly finish at the moment. That's now six goals in ten games for Norwich City. I think it was eight in eleven with for club and country, something like that. Yeah. Um, the the finish on Wednesday night was was magnificent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have we finally found the striker who can put the ball in the back of the net? I think we have, yeah. Um, what I liked so much about his finish on on Wednesday was it, it was ruthless. It was cold, and it it wasn't. Um, it was it was one that was done with his head. I think yeah. it, it was it was thought about and beautiful. He because he, the it, and, and and you said there, I think we mentioned on the podcast last week. I don't really know when you look at Timmy Puke, He's not quick. He's not tall. Mm. He's not great in the air. Yeah, but he scores goals. And I think it is up there, isn't it? He's, he's an intelligent yeah. player. Yeah, he is. And I, as I was saying to my friend prior to the Middlesbrough game, I was like, he can't play Pookie up front by yeah. himself because he's going to get um, physically just yeah. completely outdone. It's certainly playing on up front on your own. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah exactly. Task, it's, yeah, it is. And uh, we've seen Jordan Rhodes struggle at times this year with it. And, and the way he sort of occupies the space between the midfield and the defence, almost like a false nine, but not really as a false yeah. nine, is, is brilliant. And... Mm. Um, yeah, running out of superlatives for him because he's a he's a fantastic footballer. Of course, and and then Reading equalise, and you think, oh, you know, 
this is this is typical Norwich. You come off the back of a great win against Middlesbrough. Yeah. They Reading were there for the beating. They were so deep in the first half, playing in front of about seven fans at the day ski. <laughs> and you think, how have we let them get back into this? It's a seriously scrappy goal. Is Tim Krul at fault? I'm not so sure. Um, but that an instant reply. It wasn't. It's something within like 53 64 seconds. seconds. 64 seconds. 64. Okay. Yeah. Maybe being a bit generous with 53. <laughs> but Mario Vrancic pops up mm-hmm. for his first goal um, mm-hmm. for a while, coming back from injury, and you just think there's something about this now. It's that you know. There's a smell about, isn't there? Yeah, about the team and a nice smell. Yeah, and a really nice smell. Um, <laughs> and as I say, it's been a crazy week because a week ago we we were talking about. Um, a Middlesbrough win and the need to be uh, to build consistently consistency and these three games were being sort of highlighted as as huge not just for Daniel Farker but I think for Norwich's season and they're on they've they've got some upward mobility now and, mm. and they're seriously looking at the playoffs which is um, scary to say considering where we were a week ago but uh, yeah the mood around the place is is lifted and mm. um, they've set a bar for themselves now that they've got to show for a prolonged period and not just September. Mm. Beat Reading, happy days. Um, we then go into into QPR, and this was an interesting encounter, wasn't it? Because QPR started the season horrifically. I didn't think McLaren would make it this far into the season. They got pumped seven one against West Brom. They got pumped four 0 by I think Bristol City, and they mm. were staring at relegation. You know, even, yeah. even below Ipswich, which is, is tough at the moment to do that. And then they string four wins out of five together, and they, and they right up there. Yeah. We travelled to Loftus Road, never an easy place to go. Um, we lost their 4-1 last season, of course. Unchanged side, that's only the mm-hmm. second time that's happened under Daniel Farker where he's gone from games to game where we haven't changed. And, and once again, I'm saying before off-camera, controlled, disciplined, never really felt like we were going to lose the game. And it, and it yeah. always felt like there was a goal yeah. in us as well. It was, it was, it was yeah. good. Yeah, I, w- I watched the game at... Um... My friend, I'll say Ben, um, and he, he was saying to me, we looked like the home team. Yeah. And, and we did for the first half an hour. We were so assured and so confident in our play. And it was us um, putting our game onto QPR as opposed to the other way around, which was really nice to see. And I, it's been a long time since I've seen two performances where Norwich have really asserted themselves on yes. the opposition as opposed to the other way around. Um, and I was, I was so impressed. And it's, it's a shame um, that... Where Lewis pulled it back into Pookie, where that, that's a shame that didn't go in because that would have been a one. Move, it was it? a brilliant move, yeah. And uh, there was just sequences which were really nice. It was a bit one-dimensional at times, and they struggled to get the ball through to the final third. But as a half, I felt it was one of the best away performances yeah. we've seen, probably under Daniel Farker. To I be agree, honest. and it's nice now that we've we've strung three games together where. In all three of them games, I know there was that's got 20 minutes against Reading where we didn't look great, but mm-hmm. 90 minutes against Borough, 90 minutes against QPR yeah. when we did genuinely look good. Mm-hmm. You talked there about the move for the goal that Pookie nearly scored, or the chance, I, sh- mm-hmm. I should say. The Pookie goal, yes, it's taken a deflection off Tony Leish, and I'm not sure if there's anything in that. Daniel Farkas clearly had a word <laughs> with him. But once again, that that's a wonderful move again. It, it's tight down the left, yeah. Yeah. and it's Cantwell's quick feet to get it out. Mm-hmm. Steeperman popping up with another lovely cross, yeah. and, and the finish from Pookie is is clever. Yeah, it's, it's a good move because it's uh, last season Norwich was so slow when they when they moved the ball through the thirds. This year it's slow, and then it's clicked yeah. and it's quicker, and it's that it's transitioned nicely. And uh, yeah, it's a wonderful finish from Pookie. Um, yeah, and how Sky was saying. He didn't mean it. It's beyond me. Well, I think because... McLaren prompted it, didn't he? And and I know, and I know we got a, a little bit lucky. I think QPR probably should have had a penalty. Tim Close kind of forgot what sport he yeah. was playing temporarily. And but they which... did break his nose again. 
So. Was actually broken. <laughs> probably, How probably many times? Yeah, he's probably back in <laughs> back in shape now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but no, as, Stieperman. Look, let's talk about him because he came in against Borough. I thought he was playing left wing. Then he was sort of central defensive midfield. Then he was an attacking mm-hmm. midfielder. I saw in the pink and actually they'd done a, a player profile on Marco Stieperman. It was like age, previous club stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it said position, and it said good question. I don't think anyone knows no, completely no. where he plays. But you mentioned there about the time it takes to get through the thirds, yeah. I think it's Stieperman which has made us tick a lot better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, and I think Timu Pukki will, wouldn't be scoring as many goals as he is if, if Stieperman's not using his physicality. Yeah. I think those two have worked very well um, together because he's given Norwich the outball they had when Rhodes played, um, whilst Pukki's been able to sort of use his intelligence to mm. take up positions further up the pitch. But yeah, he, he looks a completely rejuvenated player. He looks like he's he's playing in an actual position. He looks like he's adjusted to English football. Uh, his role in Vrancic's goal against Reading was superb. Yeah, yeah. Um, almost Yaya Torre-like, the way he just mm. muscled through their defensive line. Um, Reminded me of sort of a Yannick Vujka almost. <laughs> he had own product, though. That's, that's <laughs> well, it did take a deflection, Connor. <laughs> well... Yeah, true. But um, yeah, really impressed with him. And um, yeah, he's, he's just got to show it consistently now. But he looks a player very much at home, yeah. which is nice to see because, as you say, he's been labelled as a bit of a jack of all traits, master of none. Yeah. But um, yeah, looks at home now. And uh, yeah, long may it continue for him as well. Emmy Buendia yesterday, an interesting one, pulled after, what was it, 60 minutes and, and looked mm. absolutely fuming to be taken off. Yeah, he did. I yeah. thought he played quite well. I, I, yeah, I thought yeah. if anyone was going to be taken off, it was going to be Cantwell. Um, yeah, and instead it's instead it's Buendia. I, th- I thought it was a little harsh on him to take him off. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Although he he's not really had a pre-season. No, true. And uh, he, I don't think he's played a full ninety yet, has he, for Norwich? No. So do you think it's merely a, a, a fitness? Issue? I would. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I'm, I, I don't know. Um, maybe Ranchic is a bit more experienced. Yeah. Um, I see anything I can really think of. To see out a game, you want experienced heads and streetwise operators. Um, but but no, I've been been impressed with Wendy. I think he's he's one that if they can get going and get ticking consistently, they could. It's funny to say this, but they could sell him for a lot of money. Yeah, he's that sort of player, um, and he's only twenty one, which is so exciting as well. Yeah. Because if he's if he's twenty four, he's, he's just sort of getting out of where he can develop. But he's right in the middle of it, and um, the player that he could be is is scary. We go sort of three years back under Alex Neil. And I think he's put it on record that Alex Tete isn't physically ready to play mm-hmm. three games a week. His mm-hmm. knees are gone. He's now played three games in a week. Was fantastic once again. Yeah. Yeah. Alex Tete, I, I was dubious when we gave him a two-year contract. I thought, mm-hmm. I'm not overly sure the value he's going to bring on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Instrumental once again. Yeah, I'm a big, big Alex Tete fan. Uh, I think he's improved this year as well, which is crazy for yeah. a 32-year-old. In, in the way he, he's moving the ball, he's now thinking forwards. Yeah. Um, and he's 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 moving the team up the pitch, and every every team needs that defensive midfielder that they can sort of. It's sort of the linchpin that they can angle everything off. Teddy is that for Norwich. Yeah. Um, I, I liken him a bit to when Huddersfield had Jonathan Hogg, and uh, they sort of had this really technical yeah. team who could play football, and then they had Jonathan Hogg. Yeah. And Teddy's our even Jonathan a dull Hogg. name, isn't it? Yeah, Jonathan it is. Hogg. It is. Um, at least Alex Teddy's a bit more colourful than him. <laughs> but, Indeed. But uh, no, he's, I've been really impressed, and I think. Again, the coaching team need to take credit because of how they've developed him and, and how they've changed his mindset from, right, I'm going to play an easy ball because I'm not very yes. good at distributing it, to actually I'm going to try and play football. And um, I mean, it, 
I don't know how many shots he's had, but I'd probably say he's had more shots in the opening period of this season than he did throughout the entirety of last. It seems season. like the shackles have been let him off a, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, but but also he's still got that intelligence and that experience to know that he's got to sit in front of the back four as well. Um, and I think that's why we've seen an improvement from Maurice Leitner and um, and again why Todd Cantwell can play as well because yeah. this is now a team that can carry young players and I think Alex Tetti is a big part of that. In terms of players that didn't feature yesterday and, and two players who will surely be knocking on Daniel Farker's door now, Jordan yeah. Rhodes yeah. and Ben Godfrey. Ben Godfrey arguably the best player in League One last season. Mm-hmm. When he's been given the chance in, in Carabao Cup games this year, he's, he's, he's excelled. Yeah. And yet he still can't get into the team. He must be thinking, what am I doing wrong here? Yeah, I think, I think well, it's fairly obvious now they see him as a central defender. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't think Norwich are, are going to play him as a, a, a central midfielder anytime soon. I, I think it's an interesting... Do you agree with that decision? Um, it's a very German way of thinking. I, I think it's... it's no, I, I'm not sure. I think... Either you make a player very, very, very good in one position or you make him fairly decent at two. Mm. Um, and they've obviously gone for fairly decent at two, which gives them a bit more coverage. Obviously, Daniel Farker likes a smaller squad, so that makes sense and saves them money because they don't need to buy a centre-back. Um, but I think he's seen as almost Tim Close's understudy because of how they're both technical players. Okay. And then Hanley and Zimmerman because they're both physical players. I think they're sort of grouped like that. Mm. Um, but I've, I think <laughs> Godfrey... Uh, is is an intriguing case because whilst Norwich are winning games, he's he's not going to get a look in, and yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the same for anyone. Same for Jordan Rhodes, while Timmy Bucky scoring yeah. goals. Um, it's it's a shame, but that's football. It's amazing, isn't it? isn't it, that that we brought in a Timmy Bucky who'd been slated by Celtic fans. Yeah. I didn't really know yeah. what what he'd done. I'd heard of him off Football Manager, but I didn't really know what type of player he was. Yeah. Obviously, knew a lot about Jordan Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Season championship goal yeah. scorer, and now Jordan Rhodes is, is Timmy Pookie's understudy. It's, it's amazing yeah. what yeah. Farker's done with, with Pookie. Yeah, Pookie was the punt, wasn't he? And Jordan yeah. Rhodes was, was the one who was guaranteed to score goals. Yeah. It's, it's sort of been the other way around. Um, no doubt Rhodes will play his part in this season. It's, it's a squad game. And he's and, played well when he has played. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a tweet the other night, I can't remember who it was, so, so apologies. But um, well, they said he came on and sort of had three, four touches of the ball, but mm. took the ball to the corner and had a couple of knockdowns and was just playing right really intelligently. Whereas if that's a certain Portuguese striker, he might have a shot from 40 yards. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the difference. So Rhodes will have a part to play. I think he's just got to be patient because naturally Pookie's going to have a spell where he doesn't score goals. Yeah. It's the same with every striker. Talk there about a certain Portuguese striker. I've got a stat here from the wonderful NCFC numbers. Go and check them out on Twitter. Last season, goals from Norwich City strikers were worth seven extra points over a 46-game season. This season alone, goals from Timu Pukki have been worth six extra points in the last three games. We all talk about we need a goal scorer in the Championship. Mm-hmm. The last time we had success, mm-hmm. we had Gary Hooper scoring, Lewis Graben scoring, Jerome scoring. We've struggled the last few seasons because we've had a, a, a stroppy Portuguese striker who can't string a con- run a consistency together. Yeah. It's so valuable, isn't it, in this league? You need a striker who'll score goals. Yep. And we found that. Yeah, you also need someone who's prepared to do the sort of dark arts of the games and yeah. run after the ball and work the channels. And even when things haven't been going Pookie's way, he's still been chasing down yeah. relentlessly, um, knowing that he'll get a moment. And when his moments have arrived, he's taken them. And that's what makes him such a special footballer because he's not just in the roads mould where he can only play in the penalty area. Um, he's not the Grant Holt mould where he wants to get in a, a fight with everyone and, and get the ball in the box he's 
he's just instinctive he's clever he's intelligent mm. he's everything Stephen Naismith should have been <laughs> um, yeah yeah but yeah he's, he's brilliant and um, as I say I've so much praise writing about him and, and speaking about him you struggle with th- things to, to say that which are new but he's been wonderful and a wonderful wonderful bit of scouting and shows how Norwich are now delving wider into Denmark and countries like that where perhaps it isn't so obvious to look and that is where that is where this model will excel when yeah. they find players like Tom Tribal um, Timu Pukki people like that and he's a glowing example of how this project can move forward definitely um, final stat from NCFC numbers. Um, so save these these seven days, Canaries fans. The first sort of three wins in a row since February 2017, and the first time they've earned nine points in a week since September 2016. I, I want to round off these kind of reviews of the last two games, talking about our left back and our right back, Max Aaron's, Jamal Lewis. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Just wow. Brilliant. Athletes. So switched on as well, mature decisions, and, yeah, and, and they've impressed me so much, mate. Yeah, they look. Uh, I'll be honest, Max Aaron's makes me angry because um, not not anything to his football ability. There's but, not an um, angry bone in your body, is there? Well, well, only because he's a month older than I am, and it's a bit like, look what you could have won. <laughs> <laughs> so there's still a part of me that thinks that could be me, but uh, no, Max Max has um, been tremendous, and and they're both a credit to themselves because, as you say, it's the maturity that they've shown, and um, there's no egos there. They're very humble. And I think they're as good mentally as they are with their feet, yeah. and that has contributed to why they've been so good. I mean, Max Aaron's has slotted in pretty much, you know, without fault. I, mean, I think we're all forgetting because of how good they are. Certainly with Max Aaron's, we saw Jamal Lewis last mm-hmm. year, but his his proper debut was against Ipswich. Yeah. Then he's up against um, a, a, a Tony Pulis side. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been an easy an easy no, start for him. Has no, it, it hasn't. Been, it hasn't. He he's been brilliant, and and of course against Neil Warnock as well in the cup. Mm. Yeah, and he's excelled, and he's he's shown that he can play against all types of wingers. I think, and um, not only are they, this goes for both of them. Not only are they so good defensively, they're both really good athletes. Yeah, and they give Norwich a different option down the sides, which Evo Pinto had, but wouldn't look over his shoulder. So that meant Teddy had to think backwards, and so there's almost Norwich almost relying on them because they know how good they are. And yeah. As soon as a young player from 18 to 21 steps on a championship football pitch, their valuation goes from yeah. here to there. And um, if there weren't Premier League teams aware, they will be now. Is sure. there any danger in burning youngsters out? I mean, I suppose we have to look at this and go, we've got an 18-year-old and two 20-year-olds in, in Jamal and, and Todd. Mm-hmm. Is it a sense of just, while it's going good, just keep throwing them in there? Or do you have to you know, bounce out a little bit and go, look... We've had a good run of games. Now let's take a little breath, yeah. take a step back, and, and, and reevaluate again. Yeah, I, th- I think some people would would say they want to play games. That every game they want to play. I think you've got to keep them hungry, particularly Todd Cantwell. I think yeah. he's had two good appearances. It would be clever now for Wickham to say, right, I'm going to put you on the bench and make him a little bit angry. Yeah, because I think then he's going to go right. I'm going to prove you wrong. And yeah. psychologically, that can have a bigger advantage. So I think they've got to keep them hungry and they've got to keep them motivated because as soon as they become comfortable, that's when the inconsistency will come in. Do you see a bit of a Madison mindset in Campwell? I'm not saying he plays in the same way, but there's um, something about his his yeah. I don't know his aura that makes you think there's a Madison in there. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's got a lot of self belief, mm-hmm. a lot of self belief, and uh, you know to get into professional football you have to. Yeah, you know it's it's dog eat dog, isn't it? Yeah. For, for a lot of it and I think for him 
what this will prove to be is that all his dedication, all his hard work through the age groups and staying with Norwich City has, has proved worthwhile. And I think he deserves credit as well because he's trusted the club when they said, right, yeah. we're going to loan you out to Holland in, yeah. in the second tier of Holland. Just stick with us. Yeah. And um, he's done that and he's reaping the benefits because I think there was a lot of talk about whether he was going to be ready this year. Yeah. Um, I, I personally didn't think he, he would be. No, no, I didn't. So either. I think he's already excelled. And as long as he keeps proving people wrong and keeps um, believing in himself, then definitely he, his path could be very similar to Madison. And you mentioned there about that loan spell to Fortuna Sittard. I think, you know, Todd's a couple of months younger <clears> than me, I think. And, and I think we all... make you angry? Uh, I, I never had ability in football, so <laughs> not really. Neither did I, really. It just the, still makes me angry. The dream was over by nine <laughs> for me. Um, but, you know, I think we sometimes think that, that footballers are superhuman. Todd went out yeah, to, to yeah. Holland without his girlfriend, without his family, mm-hmm. to a foreign-speaking country, mm-hmm. in a team with probably a lot of foreign-speaking yeah, players, yeah. intimidating crowds. That's mm-hmm. not easy No, to just, one, settle in, to two, then play great football. He then had that horrible injury. Mm-hmm. He's come back from that. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not blowing hot air up, 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 Todd, but I think he's just done fantastically well, mm. and I'm not sure whether that's the culture around Norris that makes him feel settled, but something's going right to keep bedding yeah. these youth players in. It is, yeah, and I think from Todd's point of view, it's really brave to go to Holland. He could have said, oh, "I don't fancy that. Yeah. I'll, I'll go to Luton online yeah. and I'll get kicked off the park every week," yeah. and that doesn't help his development as a technical player, um, but perhaps makes him more suitable for the cutthroat championship. Where, but you know he's he's gone to Holland without his family, probably matured him a lot more as an individual, um, and and he deserves credit for being brave and being one of these British players. Who go, you know what? I'm going to go abroad to try and add this to my game and mm-hmm. try and add this that to my game. And um, yeah, there, there's now a culture at Norwich City where um, that gap between the youth teams and the senior teams has been bridged a lot more. Yeah. Whereas beyond the Murphy brothers, we've not really seen that for ten years. Mm-hmm. Here. So. If I'm a, if I'm playing for the 23s now, I'm going right. There's there's a chance now that I could play for the first team. Whereas before, if I'm 22, I'm playing for the under 23s. I'm thinking I'm probably going to get released. Yeah. And that's the difference. It, it's just they've now got a smell of what they can what they can have. Mm. And I think as a young player, that can drive you on. And um, particularly for the likes of Adam Ida. Um, yeah. And and Ante, I can't say his last name, but uh, Spiru. That's it. Ante Spiru. I think those two in particular um, now have a pathway to follow and that's what Norwich have done under, under Weber and Farker is they've created a pathway for young players to transition into the first team even little things like 15 minutes right we're going to drop you in training with the first team see how you get on um, if it's too soon it's too soon but that bridge has been gap uh, that, <laughs> the, the um, gap has been bridged there you go there you go yeah um, and, and it's, uh, it seems a lot easier net, well not easier that's perhaps the wrong term but Farker's willing to drop them in and I mm. think that's the big difference they've got a manager who's not dropping a young player in, losing 4-0 and then looking over his shoulder and saying, am I going to get yeah. sacked here? He's got the belief from those behind him, which I think is key. Do you think Fark will be willing to drop in the two Portuguese under-23s you saw from the week, either Pinto and Nelson Oliveira? Will they be returning? Um, two goals for Nelson. I, th- I think Pinto will be in around it. Yeah. I, Nelson, we'll see. Not sure. Okay. Right, we'll move on to previewing the upcoming fixtures in a moment. This is my favourite bit of the week, though, where we ask you guys for questions on Twitter. And we've got some really good ones, actually. Um, we'll start with Willemotts. Um, I haven't got his Twitter bio. I think it's whether come rain or sun, weeds it? will always outgrow grass, grass, I think. Anyway, Willemotts, thank you once again for 
getting your question in. Anyway, he asked while you're reading the bio, Connor, is the master plan for the last 18 months now starting to bear fruit? Passing is precise, still slow, but going forward um, and results are there and we shouldn't fear any teams. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. 18 months... Is the project now starting to come through? Is our patience um, starting to? I, th- I think. I think it's in terms of the overall direction of the project. I think it's still too early to tell because Norwich lose the next three, everything goes back to where it was. So. In terms of the project, in terms of bedding youth yeah. in, yeah, definitely making money. Definitely, on, I suppose that's paying off now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, off the, off the pitch, I think the project is is doing is is coming along wonderfully. They've got the the rede- redevelopment works at Colney, which are, is going to improve Norwich. Yeah. Um, obviously the pathway for youngsters is improved we're seeing academy products come through where two years ago Alan Irvine was telling us there weren't any that were good enough yeah um, so yeah yeah I think we're now seeing um, fruit if, if you want if you want to say that in terms of the project and, and we're seeing now a genuine direction of where Norwich are going off the pitch and maybe beginning to see that on the pitch as well. Yeah, that's the pleasing thing is it a bit of direction did I nail the Twitter by by the way I think you did yeah come rain or sun Weeds will always outgrow grass. Yeah, come rain or sun, weeds will always outgrow grass. Link to his you, website you, as well. No, still the same. Um, same. Still the same Twitter bio. Anyway, thanks, Willemots. Uh, Jez from Bears Legend, thank you for letting me around your lovely house to watch the game yesterday. <laughs> if the whole squad is fit, Connor, and available to play, what is now your starting eleven? Now this is that's a difficult question. Should we stick with the same formation that we? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a given. So now, we've got Tim Krul in goal. Yes. Um, Sad to see Dennis Trebeni causing injuries to our youth players in Aston Oxburgh in the week. But, you know, what can you do? An, ang- an angry German. Um, so we've got... Are we sticking with Max Aarons at right back? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Two centre-backs now. This is an interesting one. It is, yeah. Tim Close will put in. Or are we dropping him out? Or what? Talk to me. You're the no, knowledgeable one. No, I, I, think, I think you keep Closer in there because he's different. If, if we're saying between Hanley and Zimmerman, if you put Hanley and Zimmerman in, they're sort of clones of each other whereas they're not as good technically but are, are both that physical um, when you say both physical you say close as technical I don't think yeah. I've seen him connect the pass yet this season what is it that's technically good about him um, I, I think whereas so if if, if Hanley or Zimmerman have the ball yeah. I think in their head they see right I've got the other centre back or I've got the full back yeah. I think what close is good at is being that man who breaks the line and goes, right, I'm going to play into Teti or I'm going to play it out to my full-back but play it over the winger. And I think he just takes okay. a, a few more risks, which is probably why he loses the ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, in my mind, I always think of Tim Close as the technical one. But, yeah. Um, it's good to think that. Yeah, it's, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So left-back, of course, then Jamal Lewis. Yeah. Midfield, we've got options. We've got Tom Tribal, Morris Lyon, Alex Tete, Ben Godfrey. Oh, no. Ben Godfrey scrapped, you say. He's a centre-half. He's a centre-half. Yeah. Centre um, <laughs> so, are we sticking with what we've got at the moment, Morris Leitner and Tete? Yeah, I think Norwich have found a, a, a role now for Leitner where he can excel. I think before, they were sort of putting him into a team and it, it was almost like Farkle was throwing all of his midfield options in the air and yeah. hoping they landed in a way that was, was right and in the end they have. Um, and I think with Leitner next to Tete, he's got that licence to sort of roam and get the ball and play the ball, mm. which is what he what, is. What he is. I think... Fans need to move away from this idea that he's a James Madison replacement and that he's in the team to score goals or yes. get assists. I think he's the guy before the assist. Yes. Or he's the guy before the goal. Um, and he's very good at Isn't starting... the guy before the goal, the assist? <laughs> yeah, well... Before the assist. Before the, yeah, the yeah. guy before the yeah, assist yeah. is no, probably no, better. But um, 
I don't, I don't think he's a, he's a player who's going to score. I'd be surprised if he gets more than five goals yeah. this year. Um, he's he's a player to to move the play through the yes. thirds, and he's he's integral. And when he does that, he, he looks a real Rolls Royce of a player. Yeah. So for him next to Teddy, I think that's a nice blend. You've got someone who's defensively minded, but he's now learning to play forward as well. Uh, next to someone who's not so good going backwards, but it's better going forwards and sideways, and I think that helps Norwich in terms of how they want to play. Yeah. I don't know if you agree with that. No, I do. I do, and I think the midfield has looked, <coughs> has looked far better. Mm-hmm. Of course, the first name on the team sheet at the moment is Marcus Stiefen, Absolutely. so there's no, yeah. there's no debate yeah, no. surrounding that. Who are the other players behind uh, behind the striker, if we're sticking with this, if, this if same formation? Everyone's fit. Um, yeah. Hernandez has got to be in there yeah, and, I, and I think he's very harsh on Campwell but I think Hernandez gives Norwich something that they don't have when he's not in the yeah. team it's that so directness again isn't it I'd probably go hernandez Buendia for me yeah and then Pukki up front and then Pukki up front yeah okay nice so, that seems so like one th- change from what they're doing at the moment yeah yeah in terms of Campwell for Hernandez I love Hernandez I do I think he's one of our best players but yeah. do you think our full-backs have looked better since Hernandez has come out of the team. Do you think there's a Absolutely. bit more licence? Absolutely, because Norwich in the middle are going more narrow, Yeah, which is helping them play through the thirds, I think, because they're, look, they're playing the passes in one-two touches that they were playing in three and four last yeah. season. And then the width is provided by the full-backs. Um, it's almost like how Alex Neal used to put his full-backs on the halfway line all the time. Um, but they're doing it with a bit more responsibility. <laughs> a bit better as well. Yeah, and they're a bit better going backwards. Yeah. Um, so so they're, they're, bit, they're integral, I think. And also how Norwich are playing the ball out to them. They're playing the ball in front of them now as opposed to their feet. So now they're coming onto it and that naturally moves Norwich up the pitch. So I think Lewis and Aaron's have been integral to this yeah. change and, and this progression. Mm. Absolutely. How's James' husband getting on, by the way? Have you checked? <laughs> I haven't, no. no. I only saw... Is he starting? Uh, I know he started against Sunderland the other week, and I want to say, I want to say he gave away a penalty. Was he at Fleetwood? Yeah. Okay. Under, under Joey Barton. Under Joey Barton. That sounds like carnage. It does yeah. Yeah. Um, next question from Ben Ambrose, and, and I feel like this was put in there for a bit of a throwaway question, but this is something I take very seriously, Ben. Um, what's your ideal meal deal now? There's been a bit of a meal deal revolution the past few years, hasn't there? The the meal deal seems to be one of the in things with the youth nowadays. And and if you don't know what a meal deal is for any foreign listeners or anything, it's it's an idea from a supermarket that you get a drink, a snack, and usually a sandwich, although some supermarkets have differed from that a little bit, Mm -hmm. around the £3 mark. Now, I'm going to be slightly controversial and just say I'm not a fan of the meal deal. That's I a think, big claim. <laughs> I think the meal deal, for me, it it puts shackles on you. It holds you within a box. I like to be a bit more imaginative than there's, that. There's a nice creativity, though, about having a selective choice. There is, but you're still held... I think, I think it's a mind game. You're still held within a drink, snack, and sandwich. No way, sometimes you can have a chocolate bar. It's still a snack. <laughs> now, for me, if someone's going to me, now what do you want for lunch, Jack? I'm going to Norwich Market and I'm maybe getting a little hog roast with some apple sauce in there. I'm certainly heading to the Mushy Pea Stand. If I'm going to the Mushy Pea <laughs> Store, I'm getting a beef patty and mushy peas with lashings of mint sauce for less than £3. If you want your optional orange squash, that's an extra 40p, but it still comes in <laughs> under £3. Now, I've right, seen people, yeah. and, and these people are no longer in my life because it was, it was so haunting for me, get a ham sandwich... A ready packet of ready salted crisps. No, absolutely. And a coke, and I'm thinking that, that's that's the 
that's the dark arts of meal deals. Where, yeah, where's the imagination? You know, yeah, exactly. Your tin pot. This is this is not what I want to be seeing at a lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've, as I say, you've got to be creative with it. I think. Yeah. And you've got to have a blend of flavors. Yeah. <laughs> and whatnot. Now, what do you think about the pasta pots, or maybe even a sushi dish rather than the sandwich? Uh, I'm not a fan of sushi anyway. Um, okay. I'm not a big seafood eater. Okay. Um, so I'd always not touch the sushi. Okay. But pasta pots, big fan. Always get big a strange fan. aftertaste with the pasta pots from supermarkets. Do you think? Yeah. But that's why you've got your crisps. Okay. Your snack. Yeah, okay. And then something to wash it down. Yeah, fair. Now, for me, if I am going for a meal deal, I'm looking for the way I can mug the supermarket off the most. So I'm going... (laughs) Looking for the most expensive I'm going for an innocent smoothie, even if I don't like them. Every time. A 280 innocent smoothie, that's going straight in my basket. (laughs) Um, I'm probably going for a pack of, maybe, sensations, you know? A bit of a middle-class crisp. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Um, I like a bit of spice. Yeah. Just to kick things up a bit. A bit of, a bit of an Emmy Wendy. Yeah, yes, it's an injection at lunchtime. Yeah. Like a bit of spice. And, like, and a good injection. Exactly. That. exactly. Um, and then if I'm going for a sandwich, I'm going for a triple pack. You know, I'm going for a, mm. for a, trip, a triple chicken. Um, the, the one where you get the prawn in is always quite nice. The prawn, I think it's a BLT and something like a cheese and pickle, something like that. Really switching things up. But for me, be different. Go independent. You know, go to the Mushy Pea Stand. If you're in Yarmouth, go to Barry's. Barry's tea stall. Now there, I'm looking at a sausage, egg, bacon, hash brown um, sandwich. It's coming in sandwich. Around, yeah, stick all in a sandwich. Okay. Bit of ketchup, <laughs> cup of tea. You're still coming in at the under under three yeah, pound mark. Yeah, you can then use that thirty p to uh, go to one of the, the one of the many charity shops. And they're going to local produce as well. Of course. Which is, which is so for me, stay away from the corporations, people. And go local. Although there is something very satisfying about putting it all through on the self checkout and then saying you've saved yeah. seven pounds. Yeah. Beautiful. Wow. Have you ever said what's your biggest no, I've saved saved seven pounds. Probably I've probably done four quid or something. Yeah. Good. But as a, as as you say, you want to exploit them as much as you can. You do. What's your biggest ever saving on a meal deal? <laughs> Let us know down in the comments section below. Um, Jonathan Parker. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Parker. Is Stiegman's form in the last few games him finally coming to terms with the league? Or is it something that Farker has coached him? Or is it he's finally playing in his preferred position? Now, we don't know what his preferred position is. I don't think no, Stiegman knows it. No. He was born to score goals, but he was bought as a left-back. Now he's a bit of a midfielder. Is this Farker again, though? Simply coaching him well? I think... I think- yeah, I think it's a blend of the three factors that um, Jonathan points out, to be fair. Um, I think there is that adjustment. Franchich has under, undergone it. Lightner's sort of undergoing it now. Mm. Tribal had it. So I think there is definitely that. I think Farker, to his credit, and he gets, he gets a lot of criticism, sometimes rightly so, but I think he's an excellent coach. Okay. And I think he, he, he... If you look at Norwich over the last 18 months... And then compare it to Alex Neal's two years in charge. Mm. There's a lot more individuals where you look at and go, right, he's improved and he's improved. I remember under Alex Neal, I think wherever Norwich finished, whether they finished 10th. Something like that, wasn't it? It might have been, I think it was 8th actually. Was it? And and I remember the player of the season contest being like, who do we pick it? Yeah. Right, we'll give it to Wes. Yeah. Um, Whereas now, even sort of from the beginning of the season to now, you can sort of pick out maybe five or six names for player of the season. Um, I know. Obviously, no one, no one's voting now. But um, that, to me, shows how how Farker's improving players individually, if not collectively. Yeah. Um, and and he's he's been exactly what Norwich need in the sense that last year they needed to raise funds. Obviously, 
he's put zeros on the end of players' values, yeah. and and that is what the club needed at that yeah. time. Um, yeah, definitely, I fully agree. So now, a question, yeah, Stephen. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm trying to find the question that was about is this run that we're starting to go on, yeah, similar that. to. Um, I'm trying to find who said it, I might have missed it out. I'll get it on Twitter. Anyway, the, the question was: Yeah, you find that is this run that we're now putting together? I think you can call it a run. Three games. Yes. Yeah, does it remind you of, of, of the 10-game run that we went on last season? So this is coming in from Pookie FC, um, 34, family man from Pakistan, apparently. Um, do you feel this run is different to last season's September run in the way that we're playing? It feels we're imposing our style on other teams rather than have to defend for the majority of the game and nicking a goal. would be interested to know your thoughts. Well, Pookie, you're about to know our thoughts. I've printed off that run from last season now this is this yes. is great prep and thank you Connor I did wonder what that was but now that makes for, sense for printing us out so our, our 10 game on beaten run last season which included what was, how many clean sheets there was a lot of clean sheets uh, in there. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 I think there might have been 5 or 6 yeah so yeah. we beat Birmingham 1-0 at home 0-0 away at Burton 1-0 away at Sheffield United 0-0 at home to Bristol City 1-0 away to Middlesbrough 2-1 away to Reading 1-1 against Hull, which included a 96-minute Nelson Oliveira goal, and then a 1-0 win against Ipswich away. Now, all of them games won by one goal margin, um, similar to the past three games. Yeah. However, I look back at them games, certainly Sheffield United away, there was a lot of nil-nils in there, Middlesbrough away, it was us holding on and yeah. nicking a goal yeah. rather than taking the game, as Pookie FC said there, yeah. and imposing our style. It does feel a little different. To yeah. Last season. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. I, th- I think you can draw comparisons, but you can with everything in life. Um, <laughs> Deep. <laughs> that's my philosophy. Yeah. 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 Nice. Well. Um, but <laughs> I think prior to that run, uh, Norwich. I think that would have been around when Norwich got beat by Mill quite heavily, and it, and that run felt like Daniel Farker making sure Norwich was solid and yes. getting results to sort of pull them through. Mm. Um, whereas now, you look at Reading, you look at QPR, especially the first half an hour of QPR. Mm. Norwich are imposing their style on other teams, yeah. whereas in that run, I don't think they, they did do that. No. Um, and I think, although Norwich are winning games by, particularly the last two, have won them by one-goal margins, I don't think anyone could have complained had Norwich won 3-0 yesterday, yeah. or had they have won 3-1 at Reading. I don't yeah. think anyone could have complained. So, I think that there are changes, but I think the big one is they're now playing in a style where they're imposing themselves on other teams, as opposed to just sort of being defensively solid and nicking yeah. a goal. And of course, the end of this run, it, it came after the, 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 the 1-0 win in the East Anglia derby. I think we then yeah. went to Arsenal, Arsenal and yeah. it all went sort of tits up from there. We'll talk yeah. about the Wickham game in a moment in the Carabao Cup. Let's go yeah. on to the next question. Um, this is from Cameron Miser, Meitzer, whatever the name is, good name. Um, what are your thoughts on us closing out games? It's one thing to be a goal ahead, but missed opportunities seem to have defending us seem to mean that we're defending the hold on to wins rather than us taking a fairly lethal strike force of teams in the final 20 minutes. I think yesterday we did miss a fair amount of chances, didn't we? Yeah. Was, Campbell yeah. had a good one, Rose had, Rose right had, the had, a, yeah, Rose had, had a great one. But I never felt like we were going to lose the game or not, it will not even not win the game. No, no. And uh, yeah, it just makes me laugh with Steve McLaren's dribble. Yeah. Uh, how he keeps getting employed is beyond me. And, and, how, and why did he not um, erect his umbrella yesterday? The mascot had one, didn't he? I don't Did know it? if you saw it at half time. He had like a broken one. I don't know if that was. Uh, I mean, it was lashing at that. If there was it any was. time to, to get his umbrella yeah, out, it yeah, was exactly. yesterday. Exactly. Well, he did stay in after half time for a few minutes just to. Yeah. Just to, you know, keep keep nice and dry. Of course. Um, 
I think in terms of how Norwich are seeing out games, it, it's something you just sort of do. And if you do it, then then people sort of go, well, they've done it and that's it. Yeah. Um, the key thing is they're doing it. If they're, if they're conceding 90-second minute equalisers, then, yes. then I think that's the point where you, where you look and review it. But um, in terms of holding out games, particularly in this division, you just find a way. Mm. Um, and that's why they're bringing on Rancic and, that, and Tribal to see out games because they're more defensively-minded streetwise operators and that's perhaps when the young players in the team become a bit more vulnerable yeah um, because they haven't got that experience and saw that a couple of times when Campbell tried to chip the ball over uh, yeah. where he said he slipped <laughs> um, but um, no I, th- I think we've seen out games you, you just do it and I think there is as you say Norwich have chances even in the last sort of 10 minutes from Campbell yeah. or Rhodes yeah. I think Stephen had a, had a shot as well so they're, they're still creating chances on the break um, and that that win yesterday, I think, should have been a lot more comfortable than it was. You mentioned there about sort of the, the bringing on of Rancic and Tribal and, and Rhodes um, mm-hmm. against Reading. Mm-hmm. Is that signs that Fark is starting to realise that you do have to make substitutions and be slightly <laughs> proactive during the ninety minutes? Because yeah, it, the, the substitutions have, have been good. I think we maybe should have made yeah. one more than we did yesterday, or, or certainly earlier. Yeah, um, think, but it's yeah. been positive. Yeah, his his substitutions have affected games a lot more. Yeah, um, I mean Rancic came on and scored. Yesterday he came on and made that challenge in the penalty area, which I thought was an excellent tackle, but yes. I thought it was a stonewall penalty. Yeah. Um, so I think I think what you want from your subs is to go on and, and work as hard as they can for the period they're on there yeah. and to try and make an impact. Rhodes at Reading is a prime example mm. where he didn't go on with a selfish attitude, yes. he went on with a selfless attitude. And that's what um, substitutes need to do because they're going on to see out games or um, try and bring the game to opponents. Francic is a great example. I think he's been excellent in his two sub appearances. Mm. So, but yeah, I think Farker perhaps is now learning that you need to bring on experienced players to close out games yeah. because Norwich look a lot more solid with when they have those experienced players mm. as opposed to when they have the youth, youthful options. Definitely, Ducca um, asks: Has Hanley now lost his place in the side? Because for <coughs> me at the moment, I can't see him coming back into place Zimmerman or closer if we carry on with this brilliant form. It's interesting with Hanley, isn't it? We're, yeah. We lose him for eight weeks, um, and you think, shit, uh, just as we thought yeah. we were going to do yeah, something. You do. And, you know, instrumental, captain material. And then you lose him. Zimmerman hadn't played all all season, really. Ben <laughs> Godfrey was probably going to be the obvious replacement. He played yeah. at Cardiff and uh, the Cup. And, and came on at Ipswich, didn't he? And, of course, came on at Ipswich and, and snapped one of their players in half, which was very <laughs> enjoyable. Um, but, but Zimmerman slotted in there. We looked back at that run last season, kind of, when we had five or six clean sheets. He was in there once again. I think it was Zimmerman in closer then, It was. It? So, <laughs> look, he's solid, isn't he, Christoph? He, he is solid. Yeah. He seems to form a partnership with Tim Closer. Yeah, they complement each other nicely, I think. And they're, I mean, Zimmerman more so, but they're both quite imposing figures in terms yeah. of their height. Um, but yeah, I think I think people forget how big a step up Christoph Zimmerman has made. He came yeah. from the fourth like the tier of... combination. <laughs> well, yeah. Essentially, yeah, yeah. Basically, he came from pretty much an amateur league yeah. to to professional football, yeah. and one of, if not the most physical, toughest leagues yeah. in in certainly Europe, um, and and has done that effortlessly, and Going it's up been remarkable. Powerhouse of the game, such as John Walters and. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah. and all of the rest yeah well exactly exactly um, so I, I think Zimmerman deserves a lot more credit than definitely. perhaps he gets definitely and, and, and it, is it for me if, if Hanley now returns from fitness today he's not getting back in the team no why and should what, he and when we first signed Hanley and I think he'll, he'll, he'll very much understand this I think 
there was sort of about a six week period during that form where we, we were keeping clean sheets for fun where yeah. he was kept out of the side then he's was, done it yeah. before he'll do it again he'll stay fit and when he when he does need to come back in the team I'm sure yeah he didn't play. start until about November did he yeah. know, last year and, and came second in the play of the season I, so. think, I think it was I think he came on against Ipswich I think he did yeah, um, yeah. wearing them I think he was wearing luminous orange boots that was the 22nd of October so he'd gone a while yes yeah, so it was um, October yeah yeah interesting um, where's our next question oh, this now this is an interesting one Bangkok Canary um, pains me to say it I don't know why it pains you to say it Bangkok this is a this is a, this is a good question um, but we're now looking a better team without Madison Maybe yeah. we based our style of play too much around one player. Also noticing little things like playing the ball 10 yards in front of the full-backs as opposed to directly square to them. Fantastic tactical uh, awareness there, Bangkok Canary. And this is something All that the way from Bangkok you've well, said. Definitely. I pl- the I Canary or whatever it's called clearly travels well. Um, <laughs> I agree. I think we do look a more balanced team in that Madison. Yep. Yeah, I think I think we do. There's, I think if if I if I look at it from a psychological point of view, I think if you've got a player there who is streets above anyone else in the league mm. and is your main source of um, productivity, suddenly as a player when he goes, you you're thinking right, I might need to step up now. Yes. I might need to yeah. run those extra five yards when usually I just give it to him and, and he'd whip one top corner from twenty yards. Suddenly now I'm going to have to make more of an impact. Someone like Marco Steepman, I think there's. There's certainly a mantle to be grabbed, and I think a lot more of them are, are grabbing it by the scruff of their neck and saying, right, I'm going to be the one who scores yeah. that goal. I'm going to be the one who creates the pass or puts that ball in the box. So I think there's a lot more onus on other players now. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree there's more balance. And it seems like the championship, is, it's definitely... We saw a Millwall last season. If you can create a collective, <laughs> yeah. you know, a good, a, a, a good core of your team... Mm. You don't need them real individual bits of quality. You need, no. of course, quality throughout the team. But yeah. we all knew that James Madison was going to go on to great things, and he's already doing it in the Premier League. But I think, yeah, I think we do look mm-hmm. more balanced for sure. Agreed. Right, this is coming in. Ah, oh, can you've stapled it over the name? Have I? Oh dear, I'm going to have to rip it. <laughs> James, simply James. Uh, he asks, does Oliveira get a chance now against Wickham? Same sort of questions over whether the lads like Paslak, Godfrey deserve a chance. Now, let's start with Felix Paslak. Yeah. When we first signed him, I didn't know who he was, but there was unbelievable excitement from, from German journalists and, and a few, Me. and you, who, who knows about football. Um, we haven't seen him. And when we have seen him, he just looks quite small and interesting. Yeah, he's... Um... He's had a, a tough couple of years. Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers the Dortmund coach attack, but he yeah. was very close to. I think where was it a bomb or something? There was. I think there was a bomb threat or scare, wasn't there? Something. Someone like broke their hand, and I think he was. He was sitting next to them all along the way. And yeah. I think that gave him quite a lot of trauma. Yeah, you don't, don't want a bomb really, anywhere near you. No, basically. no, exactly. I don't think he's really recovered that. Otherwise, I think he'd probably be playing for Dortmund because yeah. before that he was so good. I think he's their youngest scorer in the Champions League. So yeah. there's definitely something there. He got a, a, a wrong loan move to Hoffenheim. Who didn't really play him because they they were sort of above his level. Yeah, he's then come to Norwich and they yeah. It feels like he sort of stagnated a bit, which is a shame. But um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll see him at Wickham. Do, do, do you want to see him at Wickham? Yeah, I'd love to see him at Wickham. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Max Aaron's three games in a week needs needs a break and uh, again makes him hungry. Not Evo Pinto in a right back. No, no, not for me. Okay, um, Godfrey to start at Wickham. Absolutely. Yeah, and then <laughs> Nelson Oliveira now. Um, where do we start with good old Nelson went on holiday it seemed looked like he had a lovely little family trip 
Um, then came back and played. Was it against Wolves on the twenty threes or someone? Yeah, yeah. Wolves. Yeah, wolf. uh, was it Wolves? Yeah, someone. Someone um, scores two goals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on his day, Nelson is a good striker. I just don't yeah. think that Farker wants the trouble of it all. And, and why I, would you when you've got Pookie and Rhodes ahead of him? I think he's burnt too many bridges, to be honest, and um, evidently made it how made it clear how much he wants to leave towards the end of last season. So if if he doesn't want to be here, there's there's no point keeping him here. But at the same time, if he's here and you've got a player of his quality, if suddenly Norwich lose a game, people are going, well, yeah. you've got Nelson sitting in the background. And he, he is a wonderful footballer, and, and there's no dispute in that when he wants to be. Yeah. Um, but we saw how last year, instead of being that striker and being that selfless runner, mm. often he'd drift out wide yeah. and he'd take pot shots from 40 yards that didn't help the team. And if he's not going to be in the right frame of mind, particularly when this squad seems so together, to have a disruptive influence to me seems counterproductive. The argument from some would be that. You know, you're always you, your better players are always going to have a slight ego. Is it down to Daniel Farker's lack of ability to coach big ego players? I'll throw that one in the in the room. Um, potentially, I, I don't know what happens behind closed doors, so I don't know. They're, they're possibly, um, but I, I think you've got to show a willingness to work in, yeah. in whatever you do. You've got there's got to be an element of right. I'm going to knuckle down and and work hard. If he's got this sense, you know, sense of entitlement, going well, I've played in the Premier League and. Norwich paid, you know, paid around five million for me. Mm. I'm I've played for Portugal for Ronaldo, and there is this ego. And Stuart Webber's always been quite keen to dismiss that and say, well, he's been professional, he's training and whatnot. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I think I think he's a, he's a really intriguing case, and I think this Wiccan game, if if there is any comeback for him, we'll see him at Wiccan. Mm. For me, if if he's not at Wiccan, I, I don't see any way back for him. Definitely. Or I suppose though, if if we're going to stick with the same formation in terms of one up front. Surely it'll be Jordan Rhodes. Yeah, anyone. I think it'll be. I think Rhodes needs goals, doesn't he? So, um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to see where his future lies. I don't think it lies with, with Norwich City. No, um, let's quickly talk about these games then. Wickham, um, Carabao Cup, third round, third round, third round. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we of course beat Stevenage Cardiff. S- oh, is it fourth oh, round then? Stevenage Cardiff. Yeah, it's third round. Third round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, coming off the back of a good win against Cardiff in this cup. We talked about that run last season where we, where we were really good and we were, we were, I think we were in the playoffs at that point and then Arsenal came and we nearly beat them and we yeah. didn't beat them and then we, we were rubbish from then on. Where does the Carabao Cup lie in our priorities? Now, first of all, where does it lie in your priority? And second of all, where does it lie in Daniel Farker's priority list? Uh, for me personally, I think putting my support hat on. I think you want to win any game you can, okay. and um, if you can get a cup run to accompany a league run, then it's great. But primarily, you want to do well in the league. And yeah. if Norwich finish fifteenth but reach the semi final of the Carabao Cup, I don't think anyone talks about reaching the semi final yeah. of the Carabao Cup. So it's it's, it's one of those. It, it's, it can be a great addition to a season, but it's not a standalone thing that people will point out and go. Well, Oh, we've had a bit of a rubbish league season, but look how well we did in the yeah. cup. So I think for my priorities is make sure this league form continues. Yeah. And if if we win at Wickham, great. If we don't, that you know I'm, I'm focused more on Saturday against Wigan. For Daniel Farker, I think it's a very German way of thinking to go. I'm going to play my strongest team in the cup and the yeah. league and just win, win, win. Because um, <clears throat> they do in the German Cup, um, Bayern Munich will play someone in the equivalent of, of League 2 and, mm. and play their strongest team so there's that element to it I think he 
he might have learnt from Arsenal, but then he played a strong team against Chelsea and yeah. So I'm I'm not sure. I'm really intrigued to see who he picks for me, and and I'm looking forward to this game actually, mainly because we haven't played Wickham for a while, have we? But no. um, I just don't think with a with a squad our size and and any Championship squad for that matter. I don't think you can have a good cup run and a good league run. I look at Bristol City mm-hmm. from a few years back when they were, I think they were second, and they of course got to the semi-final against Man City, City yeah. blew it in the league. And I was speaking to a Bristol fan just last week and said, "Yeah, it's good memories, but I'd much rather got promoted." Yeah. And I was watching even the Manchester City documentary when they were yeah. flying yeah. through. I know they have the Champions League as well, but with a squad even their size, it's tough to, to manage with all these cup competitions. And I just look yeah. at this and go. Is it really? Do we want to be sacrificing players' fitness for the sake of a of a half decent run? No, for me. Yeah, I, I don't. If Team Pucky plays against Wick, Wickham and does his you know, crucial yeah. ligaments and is out for the year, I don't think Daniel Farker's going to get much forgiveness. No, for and uh, for me, just um, look, put out a half decent team. But if we lose, you know, I'll, I'll still sleep we pretty lose, well we at lose. night. Yeah. yeah. The big one then is is Wigan. Now this is an intriguing one. When when the fixtures come out at the start of the season, you looked at this as, as a definite three pointer. Now though, I think they're what they third in the league, yeah. coming off the, the back of a, of a lovely win against um, against Bristol, who'd won I think four in a row up to that point. Yeah, um, they're doing well, Wigan. Yeah, they remind me of Sheffield United last year uh, in terms of they're a really good collective. They've obviously got Nick Powell, who's sort of the talismanic figure. Yeah. But but they're they're a good side and they've carried that momentum from League One up to the Championship and um, look a real force to be reckoned with. I don't think they'll fear Norwich. I no. don't think they'll fear anyone. Um, they've got a good manager in Paul Cook who is is again in a similar vein to Chris Wilder in the sense he was at Portsmouth and got them promoted, then went to Wigan, got them promoted. Yeah. So they have um, a Brexit style manager, could you say? <laughs> possibly, but but I think track record in. This league with Neil Warnock and Mick McCarthy, yeah. well, that doesn't do too badly. Yeah, um, but no, I, I think they, I think they'll they'll look to play football where they can. Yeah, but I, I don't think they'll pretend they're anything they're not. We say that though, Norwich should be beating them at Carrot if we mm-hmm. want to progress into the, into yeah, the top I, six this season. I don't, I don't think there's doubt in my mind that if Norwich can replicate that opening half an hour at QPR, they'll win far more than they lose this year. Yeah, and and if they can do that against Wigan, I think Norwich will probably have too much for them. Good. Score prediction? Uh, 2-1 Norwich. 2-1 Norwich. Okay. Interesting. What about you? Wigan? Um, 2 nil. What about Wickham? 3-1 win. I think we'll go behind against Wickham and then and then come back. That's a shame. Um, yeah, that Wigan one though, I think if we just impose ourselves early doors again, get them on the back yeah. foot. If you impose yourself and early, take your chance you're early immediately going to be more confident yeah. and... and Norwich were so much more confident once they had a feel for the game. There was sort of a 10 minute period where they were sort of doing what they did last year and passing it around the back four. But that's just to grow into games. Yeah. And then from there, it needs to click and it needs to go through the first, yeah. which they did a lot better. If Norwich can replicate that, I think they'll be fine. Good. Um, by this rate, we'll have probably won the league by March, I think. <laughs> and of course, um, you never know. Of course, Leeds lost yesterday as well, so even more chance. Thank you very much for watching. This week's edition of the TNC podcast will be back again next week and going forwards for the rest of the season. Connor, thank you very much thank for you, the mate. tea and for the hospitality. Um, yeah, see you at Wickham on Tuesday. Bye bye. <laughs>